1: finance, investing, retirement planning, a lot of different topics. Today, we're talking about estate planning, critical mistakes that people make when putting together their estate plans. That's going to be our focus today. And we do so, as always, with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky, both retirement income planning specialists at Pathfinder Wealth Management. Barbara, Phil, how are you?
2: We're doing great. Doing how are you fantastic. doing, Ben?
0: Yeah. I'm doing
1: yeah. very well as well. You know, We're getting close to, to Thanksgiving, so I'm getting ready for that. Uh, but what's new with you guys?
2: Oh well, let's see. You know, I got to tell you this: that I have to confess that Uh-oh. I'm going to commit the ultimate sin this weekend. And some will say, "How could you have ever done that?" And others will say, "Well, Barb, I do it every year." What do you think that is? anybody want to guess? Tell you want to guess.
0: I have no clue. <laughs> no idea He's, here. You're going to eat a pumpkin pie? I, yeah, I don't know.
2: <laughs> Putting up my Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. Oh, oh that's a faux pas. No. You know yeah. what? It's okay. I've told myself it's okay because you know what? I didn't put them up before Halloween. Now that might be a sin.
1: That, that would be a stretch. Yeah. yeah. What, what, where do you weigh in on Christmas music then? Are, we, are you listening to it already or does that wait a little bit longer?
2: No, you know what? Once they start playing it on the radio, I'm I'm in for it. You know, <laughs> and I've got Pandora. I'll put on Pandora when I'm putting up my decorations, and um, I can I can listen to Christmas music for five to six weeks easily well, every day.
0: We've got the Hallmark Channel. That's all about Christmas yep. now. I mean, that's what <laughs> yeah. we're watching twenty four seven at this point. That's so, true. Yeah. I like
2: those movies.
0: They're they're nice. They're such yeah. feel
2: good movies. They're kind of
0: schmaltzy, but that's <laughs> fine.
2: <laughs> that's what's fun about them
1: yeah <laughs> yeah I, I try to I'm a big Christmas fan. My wife's more of a Thanksgiving person so she always tries to make me wait as long as possible for Christmas music if if she had her way it'd be like two or three days but i'm I'm kind of with you guys. I listen to it as early as possible. I usually wait to Thanksgiving that's usually my starting point once Thanksgiving's over it's full on Christmas
2: yes. Yeah, I know, that's true.
1: I'm excited about it though, uh, for sure. I am,
2: I'm excited about it every year. It's a fun holiday for me and, and this year I'll have a new grand, I've had a new grand baby this year, so. Oh, exciting. Yeah. It'll be
1: fun. Well, congratulations.
2: Thanks.
1: Well, let's get into today's topic. And you know, before we do so, let me remind you about Barbara and Phil. You know, as I mentioned, they're over at Pathfinder Wealth Management. They serve the Rockford area. You know, Barbara's the co-author of two books, Roadmap for Stress Free Retirement and Remarkable Retirement. And Phil is the founder of Pathfinder and co author of multiple financial planning books. You can find them online as well at Pathfinderwealth.com. A lot of resources there on their website. So anything we talk about on this show or past episodes, go to their website for more information and to get in contact with them both to set up an appointment, talk about the things that we discuss. And today's a pretty important topic because you know, not everybody wants to leave behind a financial legacy. Sure. But for those that do, it's important that you eliminate some of the common estate planning mistakes so that, you know, it's kind of a stress-free transition from you to your beneficiary. So let's run through those most common mistakes that we see. And I want you guys to kind of help uh, sort them out for me and for uh, our listeners today. So the first one, Barbara, is failing to update your beneficiary designations.
2: Yes, you know, this is more of a common mistake than you want to believe, actually. And this can happen when you get divorced, and you may change your will to reflect the divorce, but this is important for our listeners to know this, that a beneficiary designation will always trump a will. So if you changed your will, but not your beneficiaries on your accounts, then your accounts will go to the beneficiary listed, not the new will. And secondly, I've seen this with old life insurance policies. Let's say your parent took out this old policy for you years ago, and they're still listed as the beneficiary. Now the problem is that they're deceased. So you want to make sure that those are updated, those old, old policies. And if you're not sure, just call the life insurance company. They'll tell you. Now, equally important, I think, is a contingent beneficiary. Because if something happens to you and a spouse at the same time, you'll need to have a contingent listed. And depending on how your state is set up, you may have a trust. The trust can be listed as a beneficiary, but there's also a couple forms that I'm going to mention. And uh, one is called a POD for all of your bank accounts. And it stands for uh, payable on death for your CDs, your checking, your savings, your money market, etc. So payable on death is the same as a beneficiary designation. It's a direct payout. And it avoids probate for your kids. And the second is called a TOD account. It's called a transfer on death account, and that can be set up for an investment account. So listeners, you may want to check this out if you're married and you set up a joint investment account, or even if you're single and you set up an investment account, an individual investment account. That application lists just one owner, or it will list both owners, say if it's a husband and wife, but that's it. So if something happens to both the husband and wife, for example, at the same time, then who does the account go to? So for whatever reason, and I don't know why, but most financial firms do not add one simple document to that, and it's the TOD, the transfer on death document. That's going to satisfy who the account pays to, and again, it avoids probate. So don't overlook your beneficiaries on your accounts. I would say double check and double check again, but now is a good time to look at this before the end of the year. Yeah, I I would
0: say I want to emphasize to uh, those listeners that they need to go down into the basement, you know, down in where they have their their safe, down in the dungeon, and open it up and look for those old life insurance policies. You know, you can tell how old they are by their smell.
2: They're kind of musty and all yellow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and, uh, and, you know, you can. So, anyhow, but the reason why we say that is because, you know, a lot of times, Companies change hands. One company sells to another company, sells to another company, and you might have been out of the loop as far as who owns the company at this point and who the new beneficiaries are, who the old beneficiaries are under the policy and who needs to be changed. Also, uh, agents come and go. Your agent who sold that policy to you or your parents years ago is probably retired, dead, or whatever, and so uh, you need to catch up with who those are. So it's a very good policy to look for old policies. Uh, Recently, we had a client come in the office and uh, he was notified that his first wife, who had died 20 years ago, he had just received a life insurance benefit through the mail after 20 years. They finally caught up with him. I don't know what happened. In the meantime, must have been slow mail. I Who knows? They they talk about slow, uh, (laughs) pokey mail. Holy cow. But uh, I think they were trying to find out who the beneficiary was. And 20 years later, he gets a check in the mail for $4,000 the other day. So that's really important to check to make sure you have current beneficiaries on these these particular policies.
2: I think it happens a lot too with clients that have just an old, old policy, like from their parents, you know, and they they don't pay much attention to it. But I mean, that's money. That's, That's free money to the heirs someday. But you have to, your heirs have to know that it's available too. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This seems, this one seems pretty important too, because you know when you first kind of start saving for retirement, you, you know you either put somebody's name in there, or you know you kind of just think, well, nothing's going to happen to me for a while. So you know, time goes by, and you you know you leave a company or you move jobs. You know, there's probably old accounts that you haven't even thought about for a while, and it seems like you could really put your your estate at risk and make it really difficult for people if you don't get these things taken care of. So that's a pretty important one.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: The next one we want to talk about to avoid uh, mistake-wise for estate planning is family to take those steps to avoid conflict and potential litigation among heirs and family members.
0: Yeah, Ben, that's a really crucial one to understand. Uh, we always tell our clients that an estate plan must be the cornerstone of all of your financial approaches because, you know, you could be making great returns in the market, saving on taxes, you know, having um, everything set up financially. But if you don't do a properly executed estate plan, it's it's all for naught because you can end up losing a lot of money or going places you care that it not go to. You know, when I was growing up in our household, we had certain rules that our parents taught us and they were called what I call the what not to ask rules. Okay, (laughs) so are you ready for these? You know, it's bad form to ask a person how much they make. I remember asking my dad one time, how much do you make, dad? Oh, my goodness. I thought that my mother was going to slap me across the room there. It was, oh, don't ever ask your parents that question, okay? Another one is, you know, never ask a lady how old she is, okay? Mm -hmm. Never ask her her age or never, ever discuss politics or religion. So is it any wonder why, you know, adult children don't engage their parents about issues (laughs) like dying, wills, and who gets what? You know, often adult children don't wish to uh, be seen as prying into their families or their, their parents' personal business, Uh, You know, or they might feel like, well, it's kind of like it's self-serving. You know, I I don't want them to think that I'm, I'm looking to benefit by their death. So they don't initiate these important discussions. You know, on the other hand, Ben, parents are just as reluctant to bring up these subjects because it deals with the icky things of life. What I call the icky things, that's the technical term, you know, the icky topics, their own mortality, and it's a rather uncomfortable topic. So the problem is whatever uh, they don't discuss and agree upon can raise all kinds of conflicts in a family. I'll give you one example. I remember years and years ago, I was working with an 80-year-old grandmother, and I was doing some planning for her, and one day after she arrived home uh, from a short trip, she happened to be sweeping underneath the table and found that a sticker had fallen off from the underside of the table, and the sticker had one of the grandkids' names on it. And she thought, oh, that's odd. Well, she started looking around behind her furniture, underneath her furniture, (laughs) and it seems like all these kids and grandkids had colluded to mark the items that they would get upon grandma's demise.
2: And she didn't even know about
0: it. Oh. Oh, my gosh. This was a toughie because it took about a year to to unravel all those conflicts, and I mean, right away she wanted to exclude them from her estate plan, (laughs) you know, so can you imagine that? They go in and they, unbeknownst to her, and they mark all the stuff. So according to the U.S. Legal Wills website, up to 64% of Americans have no estate plan, like a will or a trust, and, and over half of those people age 65 or older have, don't even have an up-to-date plan. So give your kids a gift. Give them tools that they need to avoid the mess by discussing and implementing a uh, well-done estate plan.
2: Very true, very true. You know, it's funny that um, seven kids in our family, it was told, we were told the same thing, that finances in the household were none of our business. The only thing we ever knew about was what the grocery bill was. Outside of that, we couldn't ask. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it's just basically, it's just, you know, it's I don't how we know, grew up. Yeah, that's the way that w- they were raised that way in their household, too. And I don't know why. I think maybe it was just a, a secret, unwritten rule among the, the kids that you don't ask those kind of questions.
2: You know, I think what it is, it's like a put it off until later mentality, and then you forget because this thing called life happens, you
0: know. It, it is, yeah. yeah,
2: But I've got clients right now that are having a difficult time setting up their estate while they're alive. Now, can you imagine what the kids will go through and trying to sort things out if the parents haven't listed specifically how their estate's supposed to be divided? And that's a perfect setup for fighting in the family, and that can go on for years too. If you look at some of the famous people, though, look at all the mm-hmm. famous people that for stories that we've read that have had set up uh, wrong documents, if any at all. Sure. And those court cases go on for years. And oh, years I remember Groucho itself. Marx
0: went on for many years. Oh, know. Marilyn
2: Monroe. Yep. Uh, I think Michael Jackson had a had mm-hmm. a, a planned estate as well. But you know, all everything that Phil and I are talking about here is a probate issue then. And so, bottom line is is that probate is completely avoidable with the right estate planning documents.
1: Yeah, and I think Prince is another one who's having his estate, I think, still having issues. You know, he died oh, yes, a couple of years yes. ago, and he's still going through all that as well. So,
0: Well, he's a young man. When he passed away, he never thought he was going to really, you know, kick the bucket early right. on, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it, it, it can be a difficult process. So having those, having those conversations and communicating is, is so key. And one of the assets that, you know, almost everyone wants to pass along is, is real estate. And, you know, the mistake that people often make is they want to transfer that real estate while they're living rather than having it settled at death.
0: Yeah, I get that question about once a week from somebody. And, you know, the question goes like this. Phil, you know, we're concerned about possibly ending up in a nursing home. So what we were thinking about doing was uh, either selling our real estate to our kids for a dollar or even transferring the the home to them, you know, by deed. What do you think about that idea? And uh, I have to tell you, I give the same answer every time. The biggest reason why people would consider doing this is because they think that they can qualify for government benefits such as Medicaid by doing so. But it's a virtual minefield of problems. And, and here's a couple. You know, if you transfer real estate to an heir and you enter a nursing home within a five-year period of time from the time that deed has been transferred, uh, that will be deemed a disqualified transfer by the Department of Human Services, by Medicaid. And they'll pull those assets back into the estate. And so uh, it doesn't always work. You'll have problems with qualifying your loved one for, for Medicaid or government assistance at that point. Another downturn about or or shortcoming on this type of a transfer is something called a cost basis transfer. So when, when you deed a property to a child, basically that original cost basis, what you paid for the property goes with the deed to that child. So once they decide to sell that property, they've got a huge amount of incurred capital gain that would probably generate a tremendous amount of tax, a large capital gains tax. If you retain the property in your name, however, and you die with that property, you get something called a step up in basis, which means that all the gain has been virtually forgiven and the property now is at market value and if you sell that property, there is no taxable gain. That's a tremendous advantage. So there's ways of being able to transfer the real estate without having to to deed it to children outright. But the third downturn or or negative about transferring real estate to children is what I consider by far the biggest problem, and that is one of liability. You know, once a deed is transferred, it's considered a completed gift and becomes the sole property of the heir. However, we all know that bad stuff happens to good kids. You don't have to be doing something intentionally wrong to be the victim of liability. One of the things that we have to understand is that good kids go through divorce, good kids go through uh, bankruptcy, have medical liens, or other type of liabilities. And with that goes your home. So if you've transferred your property by way of deed to your children, you've inherited their liability. So how would you feel if you knew that one day a process server knocks on your door with an eviction notice because that property has been given over to a creditor. So as I mentioned, there are other ways to handle transfers by way of deeds that reduce or eliminate that liability. So it's best to call our office at 815-399-9806 to discuss some of these other options.
2: Yeah, good point. Um, you know, one of the things that I was thinking when you're talking about that, Phil, is that I have a couple of clients that have put their names on their parents' checking account. Oh, yes. You know, it's only one remaining uh, spouse. and and But that you do have to be cautious about because if your kid is sued and they're on your account, then it's fair games. So your account's fair game. So, uh, you know, I've just made my clients aware of that. But I do see why for some this makes sense, because on death, with a parent's checking account, their power of attorney is null and void, because your power of attorney is only valid while you're alive but incapacitated. But then this way, the child can pay the bills and as long as their name is on the account. It's just an easier transition. Yes. There are times when it makes sense to have the trust, have your revocable trust own the checking account. But basically... Like Phil's saying, there is no sheltering of assets any longer. You've got just what the irrevocable trust, Phil.
0: That's and, about it. Yeah, the irrevocable trust would be one one way to do it, and uh, there's pros and cons to that as well,
1: Barb.
2: Yeah, because they've got the five year rule mm-hmm. for one. It used to be three, now it's five. So yeah, just you know, plan accordingly.
1: Well, you kind of touched on it a little bit with the uh, the step up in basis and, and the ability to limit some of those uh, those taxes, but. Just really overall, when you don't think about the tax implications of your estate and what you're going to be doing to those that inherit everything, that can be a real mistake when you're putting your get- together your mm-hmm. estate plan.
2: All right. Well, federal estate taxes, let's talk about that first of all. For a single person, you've got $11 million and a married couple is $22 million. That's so provided you have the right documents set up. So that means either $11 million or $22 million is estate tax-free. It's death tax-free. But secondly, you should talk with your kids about having choices for when they receive your IRA account because that is still a fully taxable account to them. And they can currently, anyways, they can do what's called a stretch IRA, and that's for non-spouse beneficiaries. So your kids can stretch out that tax burden over their life expectancy, which greatly reduces the taxation. But if they didn't know about this, then they would have either a one-year, if they took your, all, all of your IRA out in one year, it's fully taxable, or over a five-year period, which, if they're still working, could still be highly taxable. So a stretch IRA is a great opportunity for them to stretch out that tax burden over their life expectancy. And if you have, say, three kids, well, they can each have their own beneficiary IRA. So that's one way to reduce taxes on that account. Now, if the trust owns the home then that, that's an easy uh, transition for the kids to either take ownership or to sell it. One of the things you may want to consider is if you like to pass on tax-free wealth to your kids. This isn't a big deal for everyone, but for some of my clients, it has been. Now, this can be done with the right kind of life insurance. So when it comes to having an IRA account and it's not needed, for example, for retirement, at 70 and a half, you're required to take a distribution. So if the money isn't needed, then that's a possible opportunity to pay the taxes from what you withdraw and fund a life insurance policy. Because remember, life insurance is tax-free and your kids will appreciate if at all costs you can avoid probate for them. Because it's not going to be you going through probate, it'll be kids going through probate when they inherit your estate. So if you don't have a trust, make sure you have current beneficiaries set up. And if you, if you don't have a trust, then set up a POD, you're payable in death through uh, through your bank. Or your TOD, which is your transfer on death with investments; those are both free documents, and they're both direct beneficiary payouts.
0: Yeah, along with the uh, life insurance example or the life insurance recommendation, Barb. You know, the other thing that we should really hone in on is Roth conversion. We see so sure. many people coming in with you know million, two million, three million dollars in these huge, huge 401k or IRA plans, and what they've done is really just created a tax time bomb for their kids. You know, so why give them that disadvantage? Because they can end up giving away 40% of their money to Uncle Sam when they inherit the money. So we consider that a Roth conversion would be one of your best opportunities where you pay the tax at your level so that they don't have to pay it at theirs later. So that's just another example of how taxes, and in this case, ordinary taxes, could affect the inherited plan to your children.
1: Well, I know there's a lot to consider with estate planning. I mean, I've learned that today. There's so many different factors. And I know that everyone over at Pathfinder Wealth Management, you guys sit down with clients and work, walk them through this estate plan process, right? This is something you guys do on uh, uh, quite a bit with your clients.
0: Oh, we spend yep. several hours uh, doing some estate plan, plan design, uh, discussions, education uh, before we actually do a plan design and turn it over to the attorneys for them to work with the clients. So yes, it's part and parcel to our practice. Exactly. Right.
1: Yeah, so if you ever, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about putting this plan together or you going to review your plan, you put something together years ago and you want to try to update everything like we talked about, reach out to Barbara and Phil. Their team at Pathfinder Wealth Management can help you with this and be happy to sit down with you and, and work, look over your portfolio, your plan, and make sure everything is up to date and ready to go because you don't want to have any of these issues or make any of these mistakes when you're trying to leave behind a legacy. So reach out to them. You can find them online at pathfinderwealth.com. Also, you can call them 815. 815- Three nine 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 eight zero six. So a lot to learn and process on today's episode of the Retirement Pathfinder. And uh, appreciate your time, Barbara and Phil. Learned a lot today.
2: Yeah, good to see Thanks, you, ben. ben.
1: We will talk to you next time. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll have the next one delivered right to your phone, and you can download it and take it with you wherever you go. So for Barbara and Phil, I am Ben. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.